Before we dive into the episode, I wanted to let you know I have a free on-demand masterclass called Five Steps to Writing a Novel Without Letting Perfectionism or Procrastination Get in the Way. In this free training, I cover things like where perfectionism comes from, how it's directly linked to procrastination, and what you can do right now to start making real progress with your writing. I also talk about the problem with popular plotting methods and how they can do more harm than good, especially if you're brand new to writing. And last but certainly not least, I share some of the most common mistakes I see writers make so you can avoid them and make this the year you finish your novel. If this sounds like something you're interested in, you can sign up for free at savannagilbo.com forward slash training. One more time, that's savannagilbo.com forward slash training to get your hands on this free masterclass. Summaries can be used when the reader needs to know that something happened, but it's not an important enough moment that they need to experience it in real time. So for example, your reader might need to know that XYZ happened, but they don't need to experience it. It might not be an interesting enough moment to make into a full scene. And if you did try to make it into a full scene, it would probably be dull. Welcome to the Fiction Writing Made Easy podcast. My name is Savannah Gilbo, and I'm here to help you write a story that works. I want to prove to you that writing a novel doesn't have to be overwhelming. So each week, I'll bring you a brand new episode with simple, actionable, and step-by-step strategies that you can implement in your writing right away. So whether you're brand new to writing or more of a seasoned author looking to improve your craft, this podcast is for you. So pick up a pen and let's get started. In today's episode, I'm going to cover the difference between writing in scene and writing in summary. We're also going to talk through some guidelines for when you should write in scene versus when you should write in summary. And I wanted to tackle this topic today because I've been editing a lot of drafts lately where I've noticed that the writer has made what should have been a summary into full-blown scenes. And because of this, their draft has ended up super bloated and they're at this point where they don't know what to do. So this episode is kind of like my love letter to these authors and to any other authors who are in this same position because knowing what to write in scene versus in summary can help you a lot when it comes time to edit, especially if your draft is bloated. So we're going to talk about the difference today, and I've also included a few different examples to bring this concept of scene versus summary to life. So we're going to dive right in, and we're going to start with a few definitions. So what is the difference between scene and summary? Scenes are concrete moments that unfold in real time. So in these moments, readers watch the characters move across the setting, interact with other characters or the setting, and speak as if everything's taking place in the real world in real time. So these events are dramatized moments that unfold in real time. And because of this, these moments are shown more than told to readers. That means we're in the point of view character's head and through them or through their perspective, we're sensing and experiencing the moment together. So in this way, scenes appeal to our senses more than summaries do. Scenes also contain an arc of change from beginning to end, and if you've been listening to this podcast for a while, you know I've already done an episode on scene structure, so I won't go too deep into it here. But essentially, your point of view character has a scene goal, they pursue that scene goal and are met with conflict, and then eventually they face a tough decision that moves them into the next scene and that moves the story forward. And if you haven't heard that episode, it's number 40. I will link to it in the show notes for easy access. So the main thing here is that scenes unfold on the page in real time. Now, summaries, on the other hand, they can happen over a condensed period of time. So they're not taking place in real time on the page. 
They can cover any period of time from a day to a week to a month or even a year. And they can even convey recurring events that happen over time within just a paragraph or two. So summaries convey ideas, concepts, and information rather than create a specific experience that a character and readers are living through in that moment. And because of this, summaries use more telling than showing because, again, summaries are not unfolding in real time. Writing in summary also allows you, the author, to guide the reader because, for example, you could jump to a different location in summary, you might convey something from a different time in summary, and things like that. So they're good for moments when you want to replay a past event or future cast within a brief moment of text. So that is a very high-level look at the difference between scenes and summaries. And now I want to show you two examples to bring this concept to life. So we're going to look at part of a scene from Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone, and then we're also going to look at part of a scene from Sharp Objects by Gillian Flynn. So we'll start with Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone, and this little snippet comes from chapter 12. So here is an example of a scene unfolding in real time, and I'm just going to read this little bit to you. I think I know who that one's from, said Ron, turning a bit pink and pointing to a very lumpy parcel. My mom, I told her you didn't expect any presents and, oh no, he groaned, she's made you a Weasley sweater. Harry had torn open the parcel to find a thick hand-knitted sweater in emerald green and a large box of homemade fudge. Every year she makes us a sweater, said Ron, unwrapping his own, and mine's always maroon. That's really nice of her, said Harry, trying the fudge, which was very tasty. His next present also contained candy, a large box of chocolate frogs from Hermione. This only left one parcel. Harry picked it up and felt it. It was very light. He unwrapped it. Something fluid and silvery gray went slithering to the floor where it lay in gleaming folds. Ron gasped. I've heard of those, he said in a hushed voice, dropping the box of every flavored beans he'd gotten from Hermione. If that's what I think it is, they're really rare and really valuable. What is it? Harry picked the shining silvery cloth off the floor. It was strange to the touch like water woven into the material. It's an invisibility cloak, said Ron, a look of awe on his face. I'm sure it is. Try it on. So notice how that example unfolds in real time. Harry and Ron are opening presents on Christmas morning. And J.K. Rowling has slowed down to show us this scene in real time because it's important to the overall narrative. So here in this very moment, Harry gets chocolate frogs that will later provide a key clue regarding Nicholas Flamel and the Sorcerer's Stone. And he gets the invisibility cloak, which will serve an important purpose in this book and the rest of the series too. So again, that is a little bit of a scene from chapter 12. Now let's take a look at a summary from the very same chapter. This happens at the beginning of the chapter before the previous scene example that we just went through. So here we go. Once the holidays had started, Ron and Harry were having too good a time to think much about Flamel. They had the dormitory to themselves and the common room is far emptier than usual, so they were able to get the good armchairs by the fire. They sat by the hour eating anything they could spear on a toasting fork, bread, English muffins, marshmallows, and plotting ways of getting Malfoy expelled, which were fun to talk about even if they wouldn't work. Ron also started teaching Harry wizard chess. This was exactly like muggle chess, except that the figures were alive, which made it a lot like directing troops in battle. Ron's set was very old and battered. Like everything else he owned, it had once belonged to someone else in his family, in this case his grandfather. However, old chessmen weren't a drawback at all. Ron knew them so well he never had trouble getting them to do what he wanted. 
So in this little summary, notice how Rowling is not slowing down to show us all the play-by-play details of Harry and Ron eating junk food by the fire or plotting how they'd get Malfoy expelled or learning the ins and outs of wizard chess. It's important for Rowling to pull these story threads through for overall continuity, but these moments aren't important enough to dedicate pages and pages to showing them unfold over real time. So hopefully you can see the difference there between scene and summary, but we're going to take a look at one more example. So again, this is from Sharp Objects by Gillian Flynn, and this comes from chapter two. Now, a quick little trigger warning. This little snippet does contain something about a dead body. So if you don't like hearing about that, maybe just fast forward about 30, 60 seconds, somewhere around there. Okay, so here is a little example from the scene that unfolds in real time. The man, white hair and ruined face, looked up at me with milky eyes. Get the police, he said. His voice came out crumpled. And call an ambulance. What's wrong, I started, but then I saw it. Wedged in the foot-wide space between the hardware store and the beauty parlor was a tiny body aimed out at the sidewalk, as if she were just sitting and waiting for us, brown eyes wide open. I recognized the wild curls, but the grin was gone. Natalie Keene's lips caved in around her gums in a small circle. She looked like a plastic baby doll, the kind with a built-in hole for bottle feedings. Natalie had no teeth now. The blood hit my face fast and a shimmer of sweat quickly covered my skin. My legs and arms went slack and for a second I thought I might smack the ground right next to the woman who was now quietly praying. I backed up, leaned against a parked car, and put my fingers to my neck, willing my thumping pulse to slow. My eyes picked up images in meaningless flashes. The grimy rubber tip of the old man's cane, a pink mole on the back of a woman's neck, the band-aid on Natalie Keene's knee. I could feel her name glowing hotly under my shirt sleeve. So in this little snippet from a scene, notice how the author slowed down to show us this moment unfolding in real time. It's an important moment for the overarching story, but it's also a moment that greatly affects the protagonist, Camille. So that is an example of something unfolding in real time or in scene. And now let's take a look at a very quick example of a summary from the very same chapter. I sat in a room the color of egg yolk for two hours while the officer got my story down. The whole time I was thinking about Natalie going to autopsy and how I would like to sneak in and put a fresh band-aid on her knee. So this is a very quick example, right? But these two sentences are meant to cover at least two hours of time. So for the overall story, it's not important for readers to see Camille in that room while the officer gets her story, right? Because essentially that would be a repeat of what we just saw. So the author chose to skip writing that as a full scene and she summarized it instead, which is perfectly effective. So I hope those two examples helped. A fun exercise for you would be to pick up one of your favorite books, pick a page or two, and just see if you can identify where things are summarized versus where they're unfolding in real time. This is especially helpful if you have developed a practice of analyzing scenes, because I know that sometimes when writers go to analyze either their own scenes or scenes from published novels, they're like, well, wait, this just covered, you know, 10 months. Is that a scene? Is there a scene in there? Am I missing something? And in most cases, what you're seeing, if you're noticing that, is probably just summary. So just something to keep in mind. Now, one of the key takeaways for this episode is that not everything you write needs to be dramatized in a full-blown scene. So not everything you write needs to unfold in real time. And if you did this, if you did let everything unfold in real time, then your story would become long and it would probably feel flat and it would probably feel boring. So I wanted to give you some general guidelines to help you determine which parts of your story should be written in scene and which parts should be written in summary. 
Now, keep in mind that these are not hard and fast rules. They're just guidelines to help you write the best, most impactful story possible. So let's take a look at some guidelines for writing in scene. Number one, scenes take place in real time, which means they're almost always more impactful than a summary will be. So again, scenes immerse the audience into the story. And because of that, we want to dramatize the most important parts of your story in order for your story to have the best effect on readers. So the guideline here is that the more important the moment, the more likely it needs to be rendered as a scene. So think about it like this. If the moment significantly progresses your character's arc, your plot, or your theme, it should probably be a scene. Also, guideline number two is anything that your story has been building up to should be a scene. So the high points of your story or any major turning points like the inciting incident, the midpoint, the all is lost, the global climax, the key scenes of your genre, things like that. Those should almost always be dramatized in real time as a scene. Guideline number three is that if you're working with multiple plot lines, then all of the major events from the primary plot line should be a scene. So the less important plot line, the more you can get away with summarizing important events or even having these events happen off the page. But the key moments in your main plot line should almost always be a scene. So those are the top three guidelines for when you should write in scene. Now let's look at the top three guidelines for when you should write in summary. Guideline number one is that summaries can be used when the reader needs to know that something happened, but it's not an important enough moment that they need to experience it in real time. So for example, your reader might need to know that XYZ happened, but they don't need to experience it. It might not be an interesting enough moment to make into a full scene, and if you did try to make it into a full scene, it would probably be dull. So summaries are good for providing the reader context. Summaries can also be used to set up a situation or provide background information so that the reader can follow what's happening in the story accurately. For example, a summary could be used to briefly explain something like an ongoing dispute between two families, and in that way the reader knows why family A is sabotaging family B. And notice I said briefly explain, so in most cases we don't want the summary to turn into info dumping, but that is a topic for another day. Guideline number two is that summary can also be useful when you need to cover a broad length of time in a short amount of space, or when you need to talk about a recurring event. So let's say that your characters need to travel by sea to a new land, and the plot of your story isn't really about what happens on the boat ride, then you're better off summarizing the voyage. And I'm thinking here of in one of the Game of Thrones books, I don't know which one, but Arya Stark goes to Braavos, and the story isn't really about what happens while she's on the boat. It's more about, okay, she's left her home and she's going to Braavos, and here's all this stuff that's going to happen in Braavos. So I can't remember 100% if there were any scenes on the boat in the book, but it's not like the whole story unfolded over that boat ride. So the author could get away with doing summary there. So that's the second guideline. You can use summary when you need to cover a broad length of time in a short amount of space or when you need to talk about something that happens over and over and over again. Guideline number three is that summaries are really good for transitioning from one scene to another. And this is especially true when something noteworthy or important happens between those two scenes, but it's not something that is worth dramatizing in real time. So again, using that Game of Thrones example and Arya going to Bravos, it's a big deal that she went there, right? But everything that happened on the boat is not necessarily worth showing readers via multiple scenes. So guideline number three, you can use summaries to transition from one scene to another, especially if something important happened between those two scenes that's not worth dramatizing. 
Okay, so those are just some very quick guidelines. Hopefully those also help you see the difference between scene and summary. And now you might be wondering, well, can I mix scenes and summaries? Like how does this work writing them both together? And the answer is yes, you can mix scenes and summaries. So for example, you might have a bit of a summary within a scene that briefly provides background information, or you might write a long passage of summary that has short moments of dramatization. So thinking back to that Harry Potter example we just went over, the whole chapter takes place more or less over their Christmas break, but we're only dipping into the present moment or when things unfold in real time for the important moments that need to be dramatized in scene. Everything else that happens outside of those moments that are written in scene, those just get summarized. So, you know, things we talked about earlier, like learning how to play wizard chess, eating a bunch of candy in front of the fire. There's parts where they're out in the courtyard and Fred and George Weasley are throwing snow snowballs at Quirrell. There's parts where they're, you know, walking around the school doing whatever they're doing on break. But we don't need to see every single one of those moments as an entire scene. That would just be too long and it's not what we're here to necessarily experience. So hopefully this overview helps clarify what should be written in scene versus in summary. And when in doubt, I'm going to say don't get hung up on this in your first draft. Instead, keep writing all the way to the end and then use this as one of your quote unquote lenses to look at your draft through once you're done and once you're reading it back through. Because sometimes we do need to see things written out and dramatized in real time before we can determine what would be better if it was summarized. So just something to keep in mind, I see writers um, dealing with this all the time where they have written out a bunch of stuff in real time and then come editing time, they're like, yeah, that doesn't need to be a scene that could be summarized. So very normal if that's happening to you or if you're noticing that in your draft. So let's do a very quick recap before I let you go. Key point number one is that scenes are concrete moments that unfold in real time. So again, these are the moments that readers watch the characters move across the setting, interact with other characters or the setting, and speak as if everything is taking place in real time. So these moments are shown more than told to readers. Key point number two is that summaries happen over a condensed period of time. So these events are not taking place in real time and they can cover any period of time from a day to a week to a month or even a year. They can even help you convey reoccurring events that happen over time within as much as a paragraph or two. So it's pretty much what the name says. They are summaries of time that has passed. Key point number three is that not everything that happens in your story needs to be dramatized in a full-blown scene. And if you did this, that would just make your story super long. It would probably read flat and it would feel boring. So we talked about some guidelines to help you determine which parts of your scene should be written in scene versus which parts should be written in summary. And basically what I'm always looking for is, is this moment important? Have we been building up to it? And does it impact the greater story? So is it important to dramatize in real time or is it just something that can be summarized? And that's it. A very quick recap of when you should write in scene versus when you should write in summary. And again, I would encourage you to open up your favorite book or even your draft in progress just so you can see some real life examples of when an author might be writing in scene versus when an author writes in summary. And one last bonus reminder before I go, this is not something to worry about on your first draft. The most important thing to focus on when writing your first draft is just getting to the end. So sometimes you have to get to the end in order to make decisions like what to write in scene versus what to write in summary. So just keep that in mind. So that's it for today's show. As always, I want to thank you so much for tuning in and showing your support. If you want to check out any of the links I mentioned in this episode, you can find them over at savannahgilbo.com forward slash podcast. 
And if you haven't done so already, make sure you subscribe to the show because there's going to be another brand new episode coming out next week. If you're an Apple user, I'd really appreciate it if you took a few seconds to leave a quick rating and review. Your ratings and reviews tell iTunes that this is a podcast that's worth listening to. And in turn, that helps this show get in front of more fiction writers just like you. So that's it for today's show. I'll be back next week with a brand new episode. Until then, happy writing.